Hello there and welcome to another episode. Did you notice that we changed the name of this podcast? It was called Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Now I'm calling it Warriors and Hope with me, <laughs> Valerie Silvera. And I decided to change that just because we have a lot going on now with that brand, Warriors and Hope, but also because even though Still Standing was really a, a, an amazing place to go from where I was down on the mat and to, to standing, you know, it, that's huge, massive. You understand if you've done that or maybe if you are down on the mat and you keep falling back down and then you, you imagine what would it be like to be still standing. So I still love that whole philosophy and I think a lot of people are there. But Warriors and Hope for me takes it to a whole new level because we are in a battle. I mean, life is a battle. I mean, if you don't think that, I think that you're fooling yourself. And so I really like the idea that we are all warriors and I hope that you will identify with being a warrior in hope, become one, be a part of this movement, be a part of what it means for all of us to stand together as warriors. And, you know, because warriors fall, we need each other to to link arms and help sustain us and help get us back up off of that mat or to take that next step forward. So I love this and I hope that you love it too and you will keep following and go to warriorsandhope.com too because we have a lot going on. You can log into our membership area. I've got free resources in there and, and other things you should check out if you want to work with me, coaching and all of that. But today... On this episode, I want to talk about the fact that you can't keep working harder on their lives than they are. Ouch. So this really, this episode is specifically for people who are enabling in a codependent relationship, whatever it is. Many of you I know are like me, the mom of a son or daughter in addiction, and so you can identify with this for sure and with my perspectives and stories, but it's not just that. Sometimes we're trying to save people for all sorts of different reasons, but the bottom line is, is they're in self-destructive behavior of some kind and we feel the need to save them. And it's typically the moms that have the hardest time, although I'm going to touch on something a little bit later in this episode um, because that's not always the case. So we're going to talk about the difference between a hand up and a handout, and we all know what that is, but let's get into it, and what this is doing to you, trying to work harder on somebody's life than they are, and importantly, what it's not doing for them. Let that sink in, what it's not doing for them, and then why you need to stop. So it's really interesting because I did a post. I actually have a new Facebook page. Valerie Silvera is still out there, and I would love it if you kept following that page. But we have a new page called Warriors and Hope, and I hope you'll follow that page. In any case, uh, one of the things I'm doing on that page is putting some words from other people, other warriors, you know, not just my words, but their words. And some of them are not super profound, but they're well-timed and I just love that each person is finding a voice. And so this first post I did, it was from somebody named Helen 
And she said, I don't know if I have this exactly right because I'm not looking at it, but she said, I have to stop working harder on her life than she is on her life. Interesting, huh? Like she realized I've got to stop this. I'm doing all the work here. Can you relate to this? Oh boy, could I relate to this? For 13 years, while I tried to save Jamie from herself, and for almost all of those 13 years, it felt as if I worked harder than she did. I was the one researching this or that. I was the one looking into rehabs. I was the one giving her advice about that. I was the one staying up at night worrying about her. She's out having a good old time. I mean, I would be so stressed. I would miss vacations. I would miss family events. I would miss out on tons of stuff because I needed to spend time worrying. That was my job. And then I would find out what she was doing while I was sleepless, while I missed out on time with family or friends, while I missed out on taking care of myself. And she was out doing her thing. It was crazy. But I get it. If that's where you are, I get it. It's so hard not to do all of this. So when I did this post the other day, I found some interesting comments and I thought I would share some of them with you because it'd be really kind of interesting to talk about some of these perspectives. And one of them was from somebody named Deronda and she said, this sounds like my life for 10 years now. And you know, my first thought on that was, well, that's 10 years too long. Okay, let, let, let's give her a year. It's nine years too long. And again, I'm not being judgmental or uh, trying to, you know, get down on anybody because I was there for 13. Get, I get it. But I also know what happened when I stopped, when I got to the other side. Listen, it didn't change my heartbreak. It didn't change how hard it was for me to be separated from my daughter, but I had to draw the line for myself because I was dying on the inside and, and actually outside too. I had physical issues from it. I was looking older, everything. It was affecting me. It was affecting my marriage, my finances and on and on and on. So as painful as it was, I had to do it. I remember one time when Jamie was with me and she was detoxing and I said, I will take you to a detox facility. I will take you somewhere. And she, every excuse in the book, oh, no, no, they don't give you any drugs and you have to just go through it and it's terrible and it's awful. And I, every reason she had not to just take me here, literally left my house. She had been staying in our casita, left all of her belongings behind, left with nothing but the clothes on her back and wanted me to drive her somewhere. What was I supposed to do? I couldn't force her. She was an adult in her late 20s. So I drove her to the belly of the beast where I knew she was going to get a fix. Drove her into the belly of the beast, trying to convince her the entire way. She asked me for $5 when she got out of the car and I said no. I mean, I'm thinking... I mean, I need to go get her some water. I mean, but I knew what she wanted that $5 for. And before she got out of the car, she said, I love you. And I watched my daughter disappear into the belly of the beast. 
as I drove away and saw her in the rearview mirror and bawled my eyes out the whole time. So I'm not telling you this is easy. But if I kept doing it, we're both self-destructing. How is that good for anybody? Remember I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about what it's doing to you, but what it's also not doing for them. It wasn't helping her. It did not help. I'm not talking about necessarily that particular situation because who wouldn't be driving someone into the belly and trying to convince them to go somewhere else? I would do that again in a heartbeat. I'm talking about overall in general. I'll tell you another story a little bit later too that you might identify with. Because I know that sometimes, you know, you look at me or people like me that have kind of made it to the other side and you think, oh, we're just all peachy peachy and we forgot what it's like and and we don't uh, understand where, you know, or Valerie, you probably haven't been through all the stuff I have. You don't know my whole story. I didn't want to write books that were all an entire Jerry Springer episode. I haven't told all of the story. I haven't told all the gory details because I don't need to. Okay, so I'm going to tell a story coming up in this episode just because I think it'll illustrate a point. But I don't think I've ever written this, uh, this particular story in a book. I'm pretty sure they're not, it's not in any of my books or, or anywhere else. So I am going to share a little bit of the, the, the struggle, one of the little quick snippets of what I went through to illustrate some points here and to help you kind of identify so, you know, that's what Deronda said. This sounds like my life for 10 years and all I could think about was your life matters too, Deronda. Your life, you matter. Your story, your impact on other people, your value, your legacy, you matter. 10 years, it's time to get your life back. And someone else said, Darlene said, same here, learning to let go and give it to God. That is a tough one. As a matter of fact, Next week on my episode, I am going to talk about the courage to have faith. So I hope you'll tune in next week to that episode too, because it is so hard to let go and give it to God, because here's the thing. When you let go and give it to God, there are no guarantees that God is going to do what you want, right? I get, I put Jamie at the foot of that cross so many times. So if I was doing it so many times, I must've picked her back up over and over, right? Obviously I didn't lay her down and say, you got it, God. I kept picking her back up because it wasn't happening on my time and it wasn't happening how I wanted to. And by the way, it didn't happen how I had hoped, wished, dreamed, prayed, anything. And I'll talk about that a little bit more next week too. But so I get what it's like to not have to, to I mean, to not have faith. I'm, what I mean is, or yeah, I get it. I get it. The people don't have faith, but to try to stay in faith, it's hard. So I really related to Darlene here saying that she's learning to let go and give it to God. It's a process. You notice she didn't say, oh yeah, I got it. She said learning. And Shannon just said something simple. Boy, do we need to hear and feel those words. You need these kind of messages over and over and over and over. If you hear something even from me, you're going to hear a lot of the same things over and over from me. It's not because I've run out of things to say. I'm sure you're pretty convinced that I can talk, you know, all day long. <laughs> but, and I feel like I have so many. If you knew the list that I have of topics and things that I could discuss that I think would be helpful, I'm not running out of information, my friend. That's not why I repeat things. I repeat things because they need repeating. I need to hear these messages over and over. And so I think that was, that was a really good statement by Shannon. Like I needed to hear those words 
She's probably already heard words like that, but she knew she needed to hear it again. And Diane said, oh, amen, for sure. She said, when our conversations start to get gaslighty, I don't even know if that's a word, gaslighty and manipulative, I've learned to say, I love you, but gotta go. That is progress. That's progress because here's the thing too. When I said earlier, we're going to talk about what it's doing to you. The problem is that eventually, you know, remember we talked about the hand up and hand out difference. We all know what that is. The difference between a hand up and a handout. Now, sometimes you have to give someone a handout. Boom. Initially, yes. But when you do it over and over and over, it turns into, they will start manipulating you, by the way. No question about it, especially if they're in addiction. And because our love and our fear keeps us in that game, we keep giving, 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 trying to help, trying to save, even though they need to save themselves. And at some point, we all know that it's hard to stop. The problem is then it turns into enabling. And then eventually it turns into a full on codependent relationship where we're as sick as they are. We're addicted to trying to help them and they're addicted to getting whatever they can from us. And around and around we go, and nobody's getting better, and everybody's getting worse. So, you know, that's what it's doing to us. We've got to, you hit like Diane, you got to, you know, I love you, but I've got to go. You have other people in your life. I'm not saying they don't, they don't matter. I loved Jamie as much the day she died as the day she was born, and every day in between. I didn't like her a lot. Let me get that straight. There were plenty of periods of time where I didn't like her at all. But I always, always loved her. I always tried really, really, really hard to stay in faith. But I had to draw that line. Because this was the story I was going to tell you. This is where, where I got to, too. And, and, and if you're trying to save someone, this little quick story might make sense to you. It might be something you can go, okay, I don't feel so bad. Valerie went through it, too. Yes. Oh, yes, I did. It was Thanksgiving and we were at my mom's house. We we're having this great time. It was before dinner. People are just socializing and, and having a good time. And some family had come into town. Friends were over. We're having a grand old time. My phone rings and it's Jamie and she is jacked up on something and she is desperate. Now, I'm not saying if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do the same thing because I'm pretty sure I would. That's when those momentary handout, that, that, that quick moment could make a difference. But when it's in a series of things, right? I mean, she doesn't want to do anything to save herself. We've been trying to get her into rehab again, trying to do all these things. And all of a sudden it's her crisis. And when it's her crisis, the whole world needs to stop. Well, you know, if I don't save her, what if, right? That's what happens. What if? What if she dies? What if she dies because I didn't save her? Can I live with this? So anyway, at that moment, none of that was going through my head. It was an instantaneous reaction. She called, it's dark. I've got to go pick her up in some seedy part of this town. And she tells me where she is. I literally run out the door without hardly saying a word to anybody. Boom, Valerie is gone. I don't ask my husband to come with me to this shady part of town. I think part of me, I never wanted to bother other people. I didn't want to upset the apple cart. I didn't want them to be all in the middle of it. I never really wanted people to be a part of my drama. I was the kind of victim 
that, uh, you know, I, I talk about there are two types of victims. One is the poor me victim, you know, and, and those are the people that pretty much everybody knows about your stuff. I, I'm not saying one or the other is, is good or bad, but I was the victim in disguise, right? So I didn't want anybody to be bothered. Hey, go about your Thanksgiving. Like they weren't going to notice. I went racing out the door and off. I, I mean, I literally just got in the car, boom, took off heart racing, frantic, freaking out. Right. I get down to this. It's this little store that's open all night. And, and, um, I mean, I run in the store frantic. Like, where is she? Like, I, I don't know. I thought everybody there would know her. There, I mean, there's one person working there, but I'm freaking out frantic. They don't know what I'm talking about. I leave, I get in my car. I don't know what to do. She doesn't have a phone. I don't know how to get hold of her. And then she finally came around the side of the building and she wasn't even walking straight. It wasn't alcohol. It was, I don't even know what she was on. I'll never forget how that felt, what she looked like. Anyway, take her back to my house. I try to get some food in her. She's nasty to me. She's mean to me. She's rude to me. I mean, it was, and everybody is enjoying their Thanksgiving. And I find out later that pretty much everybody there was not happy with me. I'm not going to get into that. But those are the kind of things we do. And I'm, again, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that in that crisis moment. It was a crisis. But guess what? She was right back at it the next day. So we have to really, and it's hard, by the way. There's a fine line, isn't it? There's a real fine line between that handout and the hand up, between being in a crisis and that could be the moment they could be saved. They could, you know, you, you could kind of steer them into some kind of a situation where they could get help and their life could change. It is tough. I wish I had all the answers. Let me tell you, if I had the answers to all this, I'd be a multi-gazillionaire because people would be paying for this answer. I don't have it. It's, you know, it, it, you, you got to find a balance somehow. And we have to figure out how to prioritize ourselves. And that's tough, especially when you're a generous person. And like I said, it can be the most difficult for moms. But one of the people that posted on that post that I told you about where this idea for this episode started. So Julia said, so agree. I am trying to help my husband understand this. He is struggling and I think I understand, but hard for me to get him to get this. Keep praying, mamas. She's having a hard time getting her husband to get this. Now, it's possible too that she has done work, that Julia has really learned so much and he hasn't. So he's kind of stuck back there. It's also could be the case that they're just different, wired differently. I've just found in my experience that I hear all the time that it's easier usually for the dads, for the men to go, okay, I can draw that line where the moms seem to have a harder time. But case in point here, it can happen to anyone. So, I mean, it's all understandable, but here's, I mean, the, the bottom line we have to think about is it's okay, a temporary handout, like I said, helping maybe in a, in a one of those crisis moments, but continual working on their life more than they're working on their own life. See, that's the difference. I, I'm interrupting myself here. There is a big difference between standing with someone while they are saving themselves and trying to make someone change, trying to force them to, to, say, to be saved. It doesn't work. If it did, my friend, it would be done. 
if all of it took, all it took was your effort and your research and your stress and your sleepless nights and your information and your advice and your, 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 it would be done. It's not that you're not good enough. It's not that you haven't figured out the magic answer. People have to save themselves. And I get it, especially in addiction. How are you supposed to save yourself when that freaking addiction beast is at you? It's hijacked your brain. It is a take no prisoners kind of beast. Doesn't give a flying F who you are, what your background is, who you know, where you came from, how much money you have, what your ethnicity is. The addiction beast is the most equal opportunity employer, <laughs> if you want to consider that you are working for him, out there. It's understandable that you are desperate to save someone. But these temporary handouts turn into enabling, and enabling turns into codependency, and around and around everybody goes, and it's not, you're not, it's not helping them. You've got to consider what it's doing to you and what it's not doing for them. The aftermath, the fallout from this constant, from years, from like Deronda said, 10 years, from my 13 years, the fallout is big. It's a hefty price to pay. And I understand because I would have traded my life for Jamie's in a heartbeat. If you're a parent and this is a son or daughter that's losing it here, you get this, don't you? If there were a trade-in program, you would be pushing your way to the front of the line. You'd be knocking people over to get to the front of that line and trade your life for your son's life. Trade your life for your daughter's life. I get it. I would have done it in a heartbeat too, but it doesn't work like that. There is no life trade-in program. In the aftermath, we have health issues, relationship problems, financial strain. You end up feeling helpless. You feel like a failure because you keep trying this stuff and it doesn't work. There's confusion and stress and anxiety. And you know what we need? We need hope. But unfortunately, our hope is always tied to the outcome. It's tied to the when. It's tied to the how. We just have to have hope that somehow, some way, someday. And maybe we will be a small part of their journey to healing, but we might have nothing to do with it. We need peace. That's what Jerry said. Jerry said, it takes some of us a while to learn that. But once you do, you find more peace in your life. I craved peace probably more than anything else during so many years. I would pray for peace. But then I stayed in the chaos and the drama. I didn't meet God somewhere on the road to peace. That's where I messed up. I want to tell you something else that suffers besides the obvious, besides what we've already mentioned, your legacy. Your legacy is suffering right now, my friend. Mine was suffering. Maybe you've heard this story before, but I hadn't seen my daughter in a year and a half when she died. And um, right, but a few weeks before she di died, I had an email exchange. Out of the blue, she emailed me. And without getting into all of it, one of the things she said to me was, Mommy, I'm so proud of you and I tell everybody about you. And you know what? I started to think about how sweet that was, but I also started to think about why. 
because she never said that to me in all of the years that I was in the enabling, in all of the years that I was in the codependent relationship, all of the years that I was working harder on her life than she was on her own life, she was never proud of me. She was proud of me when I stood up to fight, when I reclaimed my life. I still loved her, but I drew my line in the sand when I decided to go out and make a difference in this world to take all the shit, oop, excuse me, crap. Can we bleep that? All of the stuff that had happened, all of the junk, when I decided to take it all and make something of it. Yeah, that's when she was proud of me. Your legacy is too important, my friend, for you to self-destruct over somebody else. And I know how much you love this person. We already talked about the trade-in program. But your life matters too. You are somebody's daughter or son. You are somebody's sister. You are the God's child. You are important. And you need to stop devaluing yourself running around trying to save somebody else while you're self-destructing. Now we've got two people going down. And what if, what if you getting up off of the mat, what if you taking a step forward? What if you demonstrating what courage looks like? What if you leading the way into the light out of the darkness? What if, what if they're watching you? And at some point you find out that that mattered. I just want to encourage you to take a step forward and stop working harder on somebody else's life than they are. This is your life. You get one shot at it and you need to be the light. It's hard to be the light when you're self-destructing. This was a heavy message today, huh? I know lots of times we laugh a lot more on this podcast, but this is serious business and I care that much about you and about your story, and about how much the world needs your story, your story, your message of hope, your demonstration of courage, you showing that it is possible. And, and here's the thing, you're not alone. Again, I, want, I really encourage you to follow the Warriors and Hope page, but go to warriorsandhope.com and just get access to that membership page where you can find out about coaching if you want to work with me and, and help help yourself move from point A to B. The nine weapons of hope are amazing if you want to do just a self-guided program. But I also have some free uh, topics, some free resources in there that uh, we need to deliver them inside of there because they're they're too big to, you know, they're videos and, and, um, and bigger PDF files and stuff. So we have to deliver them inside that website. So go in there and uh, start, you know, using resources, help yourself. It's never too late to help yourself. Thank God, literally, that I helped myself. Okay, my friend, my fellow warrior, whether you feel like one or not, you are a warrior. And your story matters. So it's time to start living it courageously. You're not alone. I'm standing right there with you. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time. And in the meantime, if you want to jump into Warriors and Hope and get access to free resources and check out all of our other coaching and resources, go to warriorsandhope.com. Whatever you're going through, know that you are not alone. I'm standing right there with you and alongside you as you stand up and learn how to fight, how to become a warrior in hope.